And over the last few years, I myself have been feeling increasingly burnt out and dry on the inside spiritually. Uh, am I alone in this? Uh, maybe it is only me. Well, I don't think so. Because according to our survey, 71% of you are with me in this. Uh, in terms of the, we have the, the pie chart, and it shows that uh, 57%. Uh, that is, the orange section says, um, sorry, 71%. So it's either currently or in the last five years, that is the blue and the orange section, uh, they have felt burnt out. Uh, and indeed, nearly 20% say currently they're feeling burnt out. And 20, 29% say no, they don't feel burnt out at all. Uh, a few other stats. Uh, in terms of that other question in the survey, uh, I experience joy in the Christian life. Well, uh, 86% said, sometimes or rarely do I experience joy in the Christian life. That's the orange and the green. Uh, whereas 14% said, I always experience joy in the Christian life. I got that in the wrong order, didn't I? You, you're on it? You're very, very adaptable. Thank you, Rod. Uh, and there was another question, question two. Uh, I often experience the close presence of God with me, uh, guiding me through the day. And here we saw that 57%, that's the orange section, said only sometimes, whereas 43% said yes. Now that's the blue section. Well, uh, it is a journey which I think we all need to go on, uh, digging deeper, uh, enriching our spiritual lives and our walk with God, and particularly our experience of His presence with us. And indeed, in my own experience, God in His grace has been taking me on that journey of cultivating this deeper inner life. And of course, it's still a work in progress. Uh, and it always will be. Now, a central part of this journey has been the discovery or rediscovery, or certainly digging down more, into what are called the spiritual practices uh, or spiritual disciplines. Uh, another term for this is what's called a rule of life. Uh, this is a structure of habits that promote a closer walk with God uh, and a closer awareness of His presence. Now, we don't hear much these days about the spiritual disciplines, but we ignore them at our peril. Uh, much of what I will share with you uh, is not original to me. Uh, I'm in the process of reading and indeed applying a whole range of great books. And two that I've found particularly helpful and central thus far are these. Uh, this is a book by uh, John Mark Comer. He is the pastor of a church in Portland, Oregon, on the west coast of the States. And he has written this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, it's a wonderful read. Another book which has been very helpful, I found, is this book by an author called Ruth Haley Barton called Sacred Rhythms. Uh, so both of these are very good, and if you're online, I'll just hold those up. So um, if you read them, uh, you will recognize uh, much of what I am sharing with you today. So I'm going to use today's sermon to lay a foundational framework for this whole series uh, that we're then going to work through for the remainder of this year. Uh, and we're deliberately going to take this at a slow pace. Uh, we will use the last Sunday, as I said, of each month for our spiritual health sermons. And the idea is this. We want to allow time and space for reflection and further discussion together, uh, ideally in the home groups, uh, where the groups would like to do that. Because the reality is that cultivating healthy spiritual habits and rhythms to life does not happen overnight. 
it's not a quick process. And therefore, uh, we're going to take time to work it through together. So this morning, we're going to structure our time uh, around two main introductory ideas. And this is what they're going to be. Firstly, a key cause of spiritual unhealth. And secondly, a vital pathway to spiritual health. So, a key cause of spiritual unhealth. And then secondly, a vital pathway to spiritual health. And as I said, I'll allow a couple of minutes at the end of the sermon for any comments or questions. So please make a note of those uh, if you'd like to share in that. So before we look further at these together, let me pray for us. Please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, not just your word, but also the wisdom uh, and experience of other Christians throughout the centuries. And as we reflect further on your word this morning, and also in the course of this series on the experience and the practices of the Lord Jesus Christ, and also how that's been practically worked out in church history, we pray that we would be blessed ourselves, and we would have light to our path as to how we can each lead a closer walk with you and a deeper experience of you in our daily lives. Amen. All right, so a key cause of spiritual unhealth. Uh, do you ever catch yourself saying, there has to be more to the Christian life than this? There has to be more. Maybe what you've been told to expect or what you've grown to expect in the Christian life doesn't actually match with what you actually experience. Uh, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. However, sometimes these words ring hollow. Uh, they don't always resonate with our experience in the Christian life. And indeed, this is the case for 42% of our congregation because we put that as our first question in the survey. Uh, Jesus' statement, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Uh, res uh, sorry. Jesus' statement, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, resonates with my own experience of the Christian life. So it's the sort of, is that the case for you? Uh, now, 58% said yes, that was the blue. But 42% said somewhat or no, which was the orange and green. So 42% of us say, no, that doesn't really resonate with my experience of the Christian life. There are times when we detect this inner longing for more. Uh, we may be busy in life and even in ministry, but inwardly empty. We yearn for a closer walk with God and a deeper experience of His presence. So here's the question. Why do we feel like this? What causes the tumbleweed to blow down the high street of our hearts? In our survey, question eight said this. What factors do you think is or are the biggest threat to your spiritual health and vitality? Now, eight of the 20 responses, that is 40% stated busyness or time, as a key threat to spiritual health and vitality. Uh, do we have the results on the screen? Oh, we, we do. It's probably, should we go back and just scroll through them from the beginning? <laughs> right, that's going to be a very... You'd have to be a speed reader, I think. Can we slow it down? Okay. Well, there we go. At least we'll have a punchy, quick sermon today. A bit like Star Wars. 
we go. So uh, 40% of those responses in some way stated business or time as a key threat to spiritual health and vitality. Now, the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, which Stephen read to us, is instructive. Uh, as you'll remember, uh, Martha is running around like a headless chook, uh, preoccupied with all her domestic duties. Uh, Mary, on the other hand, is quietly sitting at Jesus' feet, and she is listening to him. And Jesus, of course, says to Martha in Luke 10:41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is best, better, and it will not be taken from her. So, what is our greatest need as disciple apprentices of Jesus? It is to be attentive to Jesus, to slow down and to make time to, if you like, sit at his feet, uh, to make space to listen, to observe, and to learn from Jesus. Uh, the real danger is that the velocity and the busyness of our lives will be so great that we fail to engage with Christ in a deep and transformative way. We will suffer from what is called hurry sickness. Uh, think about it. Uh, what is our standard response when people ask us how we are? We often say, good thanks, just busy. Uh, the title of the book by John Mark Comer is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's based on a profound insight of a gifted and godly Christian teacher. Uh, his name was Dallas Willard. And one of his main areas of interest was spiritual formation, that inner life. And this is what Dallas Willard said, and I've got it on the screen. Hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is the weapon of Satan. Uh, it was Corrie Ten Boom who observed, and I'll put this on the screen as well because it's quite profound, albeit simple. If the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. You see, both sin and busyness have the same effect. Uh, they cut off our connection to God, uh, our connection to other people, and even our connection to our soul. Uh, John Ortberg was a student under Dallas Willard, and he himself is another gifted Christian teacher on spiritual formation. Uh, he wrote a book called The Life You Always Wanted, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. And in that book, he made this sobering observation, and I found it very helpful uh, and challenging. And he said this, For many of us, the danger is not that we will renounce our faith, it is that we will become so distracted, rushed, and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And that is the danger. Not that we'll renounce our faith, but lead a mediocre version of it. 
You see, I don't want these precious years to just flit away. As a Christian, I want to live them well. So, we have thought about a key cause of spiritual unhealth, that is hurry. Uh, Let's now move on to look at a vital pathway to spiritual health. So, what is the answer to our spiritual weariness and unhealth? How do we counter our hurry sickness? Now, the solution to an over-busy life is not more time. If we were somehow miraculously granted 10 more hours each week, you know what we'd do? We'd actually end up filling them with even more things. And then we'd be even more tired and spiritually frayed at the edges. You see, the solution is not more time, but a different, more productive use of our existing time. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What is the answer to a hurried Christian life? It is to slow down and to simplify our lives around what really matters. Uh, Spiritual health requires space and it requires time. It makes time to listen and to learn from Jesus and to sit at his feet. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus issues this invitation, and it's familiar to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to come to him and to learn from him. A follower of Jesus is a disciple of Jesus. Another way of expressing this is that we are apprentices of Jesus. We learn from him. But here's the question. What does learning from Jesus and taking his yoke upon us actually mean? What does it involve? Now, you see, those who literally followed Jesus in his day were not just there to listen to his teaching and to absorb his ideas, although that was important. Uh, The disciples in his day weren't just called to adopt his do's and don'ts, that is, his ethics, although that was also important. They were also there to learn and to copy Jesus' lifestyle, his habits, and his practices. They were there to live as he lived, to structure their lives as he structured his. And if we want to experience the life of Jesus, we need to adopt, adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Think about it. What do we observe when we look at the accounts of Jesus' life? Was Jesus in a hurry? No. Was Jesus fiercely present with people? Yes, he was. Was Jesus rooted in the moment and had a deep connection to God, other people in himself? Yes, he did have. And how did he achieve this? 
Well, he maintained various practices that provided a healthy structure to his life. Think about it. Uh, What do we see in the gospel accounts? Jesus often sought solitude and silence. We see him often withdrawing to remote places. We see Jesus observing the Sabbath. We see Jesus living a life of simplicity. We see Jesus practicing slowness, much to the frustration of Jairus. So over the course of this year, uh, we're going to be looking at some of the practices of Jesus and to see how they have been honed and developed by previous generations of Christians in the course of church history. We're going to spend our remaining eight sermons this year looking at, firstly, uh, silence and solitude. Then we'll look at Sabbath. Uh, Then we'll look at simplicity. Then we'll look at slowness. We'll look at scripture, at prayer, at self-examination, and then discernment, particularly in the sense of recognizing and responding to the presence and activity of God in our lives. So that's where we're going this year. But in all this, it's important to remember the purpose of these practices. Uh, They are not an end in themselves. These practices are a means to an end. Uh, They promote a deeper, closer walk with God. They help us to remain connected to Him. In John chapter 15, Jesus reminds us, of the vital importance of remaining connected to him. Verse 5. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's the question. How do we remain in Christ? Well, these practices are merely tools to help us to do that. Uh, These practices together form what is called uh, in church history a rule of life. Uh, The word rule refers to a straight piece of wood, a bit like a trellis. And a rule of life provides a supporting structure. That is a schedule and a set of practices that help us remain in the vine. I found this explanation by John Mark Comer particularly helpful, and I'll quote it in full from his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. What a trellis is to a vine, a rule of life is to abiding. It is a structure, in this case a schedule, and a set of practices to set up abiding as the central pursuit of your life. It's a way of organizing all of your life around the practices and presence of God, to work and rest, and play and eat, and drink and hang out with your friends, and run errands and catch up on news, all out of a place of deep, loving enjoyment of the Father's company. So these practices, they create the conditions for spiritual growth and vitality. Uh, Before I open up to comments and questions, let me conclude with a practical consideration. 
uh, the survey concerning people's felt need for spiritual renewal and transformative growth, uh, the aspects of the responses were interesting. Uh, question five was this, I feel that I have plateaued or stalled in my spiritual life and transformative growth. Now, the yes or somewhat responses to that were in the blue and orange, and that represents 57% of us. 57% feel we have plateaued or stalled in our spiritual life and transformative growth. 43% said uh, no, but that was the green, that they don't feel they've stalled. Uh, question six, I have a clear sense of what is required for me to personally to have a healthy growing Christian life. Uh, 62%, that is the blue, said yes, they do have that clear sense, but 38% said, that's the orange, said somewhat. So here's the practical question. What should be the driving force for our pursuit of spiritual health? What is the right motivation? And the answer is not guilt. And the answer is not obligation. You see, guilt and obligation will not produce lasting positive change. The correct driving force for spiritual health and the pursuit of it has to be desire. That requires us to understand what we really want in our spiritual lives, what is going on in our hearts. Here's the last question we'll look at today from the survey. Question seven, if God were to ask you, what two changes do you want me to, to enact in your Christian life, what would you say? So if God was to pose you that question, what two changes do you most want me to enact in your Christian life, what would you say? Now we'll get to the Star Wars uh, uh, motion of uh, answers in a minute, but let me just give you the headline. Because 14 out of the 20 responses yearned for a closer walk with God, whether it be by prayer, reading God's Word, or experiencing Him. Maybe we'll just run them quickly. Well, it's incredibly healthy uh, to have a hunger to experience God in a deeper way. It is good to be dissatisfied in the Christian life and to long for more. Why? Because it's a desire that God will honor and that He will meet. And it's a sign that God is inviting us to a journey of spiritual 
transformation. Recall when a blind man approached Jesus, Jesus posed this question back to him in Mark 10, 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. What do you want me to do for you? That was the question of Jesus. And so Jesus would pose that question to each of us at the beginning of this series. What do you want me to do for you? What is the desire of your heart? Do you really want to know me deeper? So it's not just about knowing more information about God, but also experiencing God and the joy of a relationship with Him. Let me pray for us, and then we'll open up to comments and questions. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the life of Jesus, not just His teaching, which obviously is critically important, uh, and His death and resurrection, but also what we observe in the Gospels recorded for us of His practices, the way He lived, the way He structured His life. And so we pray, please help us to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from Him, to be uh, Jesus' apprentices in the true sense of the word, such that we have and structure our lives in such a way that we have a deeper experience and joy in day by day, day, by day walking with you and experiencing you in our lives. Amen.